Hello, Seaside. Hello. What's up? <laughs> it's so good to see you guys. Worship was on fire, man. Even a few months ago when I would visit, uh, all I could hear was Anthony and Kelly and sometimes Caleb. And man, now worship time, Anthony's voice doesn't stand out anymore. That tells you everyone in this room singing their hearts out. And I could sense so much freedom, just so much power. God's glory, his presence was definitely here. And I could tell that Mina was cackling and I was crying and Anthony was on his knees. It was, it was powerful. Amen. Man, in this room, so much of God's presence is already here. And I'm so, so proud of Seaside. I mean, just the fact that in my hometown, there's this Firefield Church. That itself is a powerful statement for me to see that, wow, God's really bringing down his kingdom in this city that I love, the city that I grew up. But it's just so incredible uh, for me to just witness people from all over the world. And for you guys to be in this room and just really experiencing this Fire, oh, man, it just blesses me so much. Uh, like Pastor Caleb introduced me, my name is Myungwa Choi. I'm one of the preaching pastors at New Philadelphia Church, and I travel down here uh, once every few months. Uh, it's always a joy and privilege to come here, and uh, it's so good to see some new faces as well. So for some of you, it's your first time to see me, right? How many of you guys actually never seen me before? Can I? Oh, yeah, cool. All right, good, good. Majority of you already know me, so I'm a little funky, but bear with me. You will learn to appreciate this funkiness in me. But um, yeah, it's, it's really good to be uh, at Seaside. Uh, like Pastor Caleb said, I just got back from Australia. I was uh, in the land of Down Under uh, with some Aussies and kangaroos and koalas. And I actually got to see wild kangaroos while I was there. So uh, like I was... Uh, at a campsite for the retreat, and I got to see some wild ones coming out and drinking water and stuff, and I took a picture of them. Uh, you can check it out on my Facebook, too. But uh, a lot of powerful things happened, other than the kangaroo stories. I spoke and uh, ministered at a, a, a conference. It was like a church retreat uh, that's hosted by a church called ECF. It's an English uh, fellowship of Melbourne Korean Presbyterian or Baptist, I don't, I'm not sure Methodist, some kind of church. And uh, it's a Melbourne Hanin Gyoe, but it's part of a uh, congregation, the English congregation there. A lot of young, young people like you guys are late teens, early 20s, mid-20s, and had about 50 intimate group of people at a campsite, and I got to speak uh, into the community. It was really, really cool. God definitely worked out supernatural works there. Uh, before I went, um, in the midst of my busy schedule, and I was just praying into this retreat and uh, the people that were going to come, and for the community of ECF, and I never really saw them. I know some individuals from the church, but I really never saw them as a community before. So I really didn't have much understanding of what I needed to speak. But God showed me uh, a vision of, uh, in my prayer, I saw a land with uh, many cracks. And I saw water falling, but then it will quickly disappear. It will all fall through the cracks. And another vision that I saw was uh, like a space, but divided by all these like walls. But it was like invisible walls, right? And I just figured, wow, God, I think, wants me to speak into the community, uh, strengthen this family as one, and fill up those cracks and tear down the walls. That was the only idea that I had. And I flew out there, and I was talking to the pastor there. Uh, He wanted me to speak about, guess what, community, love, and building up this family as one. So the retreat went fantastic. The last session that I uh, had just want to share a brief testimony of what God did. Uh, I spoke on reconciliation. 
And I talked about how when Jesus forgave us, that simultaneously reconciled us to him. So if Jesus, for him to say, Lydia, I forgive you, but I'm going to still keep the distance. I don't want to reconcile with you, but I still forgive you. God never forgives that way. Amen? When he forgives, he says, Lydia, I forgive you, and we are reconciled. It's simultaneous. It's automatic. It's not step by step, right? So I talked about how Jesus calls us to forgive one another the way he forgave us. And I was just meditating upon how so many Christians say that we forgive one another, but that we still keep that hostility. We still keep the bitterness, and we still keep them cold shoulders, still say hi and bye, and nothing more than that. You know, and imagine meeting those people in heaven and how awkward you're going to feel. In front of God, you can fool everyone around you, but you can't fool him, right? You can't fool the one that sits on the throne. And you're going to say, oh, hi, Caleb. Hey, bye. You know, you're never going to do that. You know, you, you are stuck with Pastor Caleb for eternity. If you think about it, right? So I was talked about that. And I was challenging the people there to take your forgiveness to a deeper level and take it to a newer level of re- reconciliation. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me. So I talked about it, and I said at the end, if you would like to be the doers of God's word, not just the hearers, I want you to raise your hand. Every single person, not knowing what they're getting themselves into. One by one, they all raise their hands, right? And I was like, mm, convictions here. And I was like, put down your hands. And I said, I'm going to give you 20 minutes right now. And we're going to apply the word of God right now. And I told them to look around. Like a size, a little bigger group than this, they all looked around, like really afraid. And fear was just on their faces, right? What is she going to make us do kind of faces? I told them to look around and said, if there's anyone in this room, in this covenant community of church that you do not have peace with, that you haven't reached that level of reconciliation with, I want you to talk to the person right now and i'll give you 20 minutes and they were like uh you know and then i said if they are not here i want you to call them up you have your phones we have connection here it's not too late call them up reconcile tell them that you're sorry tell them that you forgive them tell them that let's start this anew like reconcile and i love you bro if you really don't know what to say just tell them that you love them and just hang up you know i challenge them And then, if you really don't have anyone to reconcile with, and I said, just call up someone that you have a hard time expressing your love to. It could be your mom, it could be your dad. Someone that you love dearly but never expressed that before. There are some walls, invisible walls, that you cannot be intimate, though you love them to death, and that person loves you to death, but then you cannot express it. There's some kind of wall and bondage there, right? So I said, call them up and take the step of faith. And guess what? And I said, 20 minutes starts right now. And I put down my mic. And they were all like, what is going on? But to my surprise, every single person took the step of faith. And Holy Spirit really graced that time to be the time of reconciliation. And I saw one by one going out with their phones. I saw one by one texting and calling at the corners, grabbing each other's hands and praying together at the backs. And I saw so many people crying and hugging it up. And I was so curious what was taking place. And afterwards, I asked about 20 people, okay, at cafeteria eating our cup lamens and stuff. And I asked about 20 people, and they all said, I reconciled with my mom for the first time. 
And I told her that I forgave her for all the abuse for the first time. Brothers will come to me and say, man, with my high school best friend, I reconciled. And I, for the first time, told him that no matter what kind of stupid stuff that you're doing, I don't know, but I don't care. I will stay with you. And I'm going to wait for you. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm here, bro. I love you. And they, you know, cool, you know, they, you know, they did the brothers, what brothers do, you know, sisters are crying all over the place. And they were saying, there were some powerful testimonies like, this one sister actually left the church um, a couple months before because she was so hurt by one of the sisters, one of the leaders in the house. And then she was dragged into the retreat. And then guess what? They reconciled as well. And she's now back on leadership. And some key leaders were struggling. And they were thinking about leaving after the retreat because they were so disillusioned. You know, whenever you feel it comes, they will pour out like fire, Holy Spirit, everything, they will get really blessed. But then they said quickly, they lost it. They could not sustain what they have received. And then they will get, what is this? You know, we just got empowered. Or we thought we did it. We received it. Where is it now? And then you feel it will come again. Or other ministers will come. They will receive it. But then they will quickly lose it. And they could not sustain it because there were so many cracks and walls all over the community. And what God did was he really filled it all up. Tore, tore up all the walls so that there will be unity and oneness in the leadership, in the community. And I'm, I guarantee from here on, they're going to move forward. So the, oh, what's happening right now? Okay, so what's happening at ECF, I believe it's permanent. And that's exactly what they needed. And God knew, showed it to me, to the messenger, brought it to them, and they're stewarding it so well. So loving your brothers and sisters, not just telling God that, God, I love you. The Bible calls them liars, you know that? Extravagant worshipers, but when they are not loving toward their brothers and sisters, the Bible calls you an extravagant liar. How scary is that, you know? Extravagant worshipers of God, we love God, but when you don't love your brother and your sister that's sitting next to you, you're an extravagant liar before the Lord. So the conviction was definitely there, and reconciliation took place all over the place, and it was just one beautiful retreat, and I believe that ECF is going to a whole new level. Amen? So I know a lot of you don't know them, but uh, I know they are joining, a couple leaders from that church is also joining for winter missions, so it will be another season of building relationship and partnership with them. So continue to um, yeah, stay tuned and pray for them. It's interesting. Whenever I come back from a major trip, like a breakthrough field trips, I always get to speak at Seaside first. Uh, after my Indonesia trip, I shared about the miracles that I saw in Indonesia, blind eyes opening and like lame lady walking and all that. I got to share this at Seaside first. And I just believe it's prophetic. You guys are just forerunners. You guys are the forerunners of New Philly. And I'm just on behalf of PC and PE and both campuses from Seoul, I just want to tell you guys, I'm so proud of you. Like, so, so proud of you. What's happening here is supernatural. Today, I'm continuing my sermon series on Ephesians, chap- uh, Ephesians and we are reaching the end of chapter 3. So let's turn there quickly. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. That's what we're going to look at. Be using ESV Bible. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. 
Uh, it doesn't matter what version you have. We're just going to read it all together out loud. So just, just follow. It's going to sound messy, but it's all good. So just focus on what you're reading and just read with me and my tempo. Everyone there? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Um, let's go. 1, to 3. Begins. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength with all the saints, what is the press and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Powerful passage, right? When I chose book of Ephesians, actually, the, the part that I wanted to preach from the most was this portion. Man, seaside, you guys get to hear this. Verses 14 to 15, I want you to look at it again. It says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Family, this word, in Greek word, it's a patria. I might have butchered it, it's okay. Patria, it means family, it means fatherhood, it means lineage, and in, in a uh, more bigger sense, nation or tribe. So it's talking about how all families on heaven and earth, heaven and earth doesn't mean that there are like families up in heaven. It's called Marism. It's like a literature skill. So when it says heaven and earth, it means every, it means all. So it says all families, all family is named from the father. It all derives from him. So it's pretty much saying that we are all his creation, all lineage, all fatherhood, all families come from who? the giver of life, him alone, right? So all life come from him, and through Christ we receive the eternal adoption into his family. But according to this verse, Paul is saying, he, the father that I pray to is also your father. You guys get that? The father that I'm praying to, that I'm kneeling before, is also your father. Because all your families come from also him. So he's saying, Paul's saying, hey, I'm praying to my father, but he's also your father, all of you. So this applies to us as well, right? Choi family comes from the creator, <laughs> right? No, Choi, Choi family comes from the father. And moving on, verse 16, it says this, that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. How many of you here have the Holy Spirit inside of you? Come on. If you have Jesus in your heart, you also have the Spirit of God inside of you, right? So this saying, you have the Holy Spirit who strengthens you with power in your inner being. Inner being me- meaning your, your soul, the being that's within you, right? Your soul. So you all have what? The Holy Spirit. And verse 17, it says, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you have faith in Christ Jesus, that he dwells inside of you. Christ is in your very own heart. Do you have, have you put your faith in Christ Jesus? 
then he dwells inside of you. You got Jesus? You know those t-shirts, the, the, the cool t-shirts that Christian people wear? Got Jesus? Question mark t-shirt. You know that? You got Jesus today? All of you? You know, you can all wear that, right? Christ dwells in your heart. You all got Jesus inside of you. Father, the Spirit, and the Son. All three, the Trinity God, who is within us, in our heart, in our inner being, that's the God that Paul is praying to. And we'll see what he prays about, okay? This long sentence, I'm breaking it down for you guys. The content of his prayers are exactly applicable to us. We're going to look at what he actually prays, okay? He's praying to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we talked about it all. And verse 18, starting from verse 18, he talks about what he actually prays. Let's look at what he actually prays. Verse 18, it says, to comprehend. Everyone says, to comprehend. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ? So NIV says to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He's praying so that we will comprehend all these breadth and height and depth and length of the love of Christ. It's really hard to say for Koreans, you know that? (laughs) Breadth, it's really hard to say. I just learned that it's uh, equivalent to breadth. Like breath, like breath coming out of your mouth and width and breath sound the same. Is that true? Or English teachers? Is it true? All right, breath. Breath and length and height and depth, right? Okay, it's not depth, it's depths, right? All these things so that we will comprehend and grasp the measures of God's love, the Christ's love. And if you think about it, is anyone in this room able to comprehend the love of Christ. You might think you do, but the fact is, absolutely no. And so what's the widest thing that you know, like the broadest thing you could ever imagine? What? Traditional answer, ocean. Anyone else? Give me some classic answers. Ocean, that's the widest thing that you know. Universe, good. Anyone else that's going to beat universe? Nothing else, right? Nothing really comes to your mind. It's ocean, and at best, it's the universe, the galaxy. But think about it, that's only God's creation. And God is not a size of a universe, okay? God is way beyond the size of the universe. So what we could think of all these answers are only a scratch of how big he is. The widest thing. What's the longest thing that you, you know? The longest thing. The Nile River. The Great Wall of China. <laughs> Maybe some, some more. What's the longest? Maybe like time-wise, what's the longest time that you know? Eternity. But eternity is a concept. It's a concept that we have created. But like having no end, we really can't grasp that. We created the concept in our mind, so we, we talk like we know it, but none of you know what eternity means. Having no end to anything, like a road, like a time, we will never be able to grasp what eternity really means until we enter it. Actually, we are already in the eternity. But does anybody, any of you grasp it? Not as a concept, but in reality, none of you. 
We are confined by time, but is God confined by time? No, not at all. So even if we understand the longest thing in this world or in the concepts, whatever, it's only, it doesn't doesn't even go close to the length of God's love. Think about other things, the highest thing. You will say sky, and it goes to the universe. And again, same thing. What's the deepest thing? Ocean? Oh, man, boring answer again. But see how our mind is so trapped in the box. The creation, the nature, that's all we could think of. But that's only an echo of God's power. That's only a scratch on the surface for God's existence. No one can grasp all these things. It's impossible to comprehend. And Paul's prayer here is a big prayer. I need you to understand when he's praying for the saints, his prayers are huge. It's massive. It's something that beyond what we could understand. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go move on to the next verse while he continues to pray. His prayer is this to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Do you guys notice the oxymoron here? <laughs> to know something that's beyond knowledge. You see how it doesn't make any sense? Come on, people, thinking people. <laughs> to know something that is unknowable. Is that a word? To know something that is impossible to understand or know. That's his prayer here. Christ's love is beyond our knowledge, beyond our ability to know. But Paul is praying that we will know what's beyond knowing. That's some big prayer. You guys agree? Some ridiculously big prayer, right? Verse 19, I mean, verse 19, and continues. Let's see what he continues to pray. He says this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's crazy now. (laughs) Fullness of God. I want us to kind of meditate on that. It was interesting. And so we had a joint prayer meeting with all the English ministries um, gathered together. Every third Saturday of the month, we gather and pray. And we had a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Ronnie Henderson, and he spoke about uh, something really similar, but he, he talked about God asking a question. God was asking Ronnie, do you want, do you really want my present? Do you kind of, it's kind of him saying, do you even know what you're asking for? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, you know, having God's presence in its fullness. You know, we sing about it, you know, release the fullness of your presence. We sing about that. What does that mean? Having God's fullness in you, what does that even mean? Pleroma, that's another Greek word. It means fullness, abundance. Oh, that's it. Fullness and abundance. (laughs) But he's saying that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. But think about fullness of joy. Pastor Mina was giggling and cackling up here earlier (laughs) because she was so filled with God's joy, right? But imagine a God-sized joy. You guys all know that God is a joyful God? He's not... Yeah, he has the angry part as well. God's an angry God too, but he also is a God of joy. He's a God of peace. All the joy that we sense in our hearts, it comes from all him. Peace, it comes from him, right? Imagine the source of joy, the God of joy and its fullness, God-sized joy. What does that mean? What, what's going to happen to you if you have that? You're going to burst, probably, right? 
You're going to explode with joy or something or go crazy or... I don't, I, we cannot imagine fullness of joy. What does that mean? Having the fullness of peace of God. What do you think that means? We all think in a human level. Joy, oh, feeling good, feeling all happy, bubbly. But that's human level joy. But have you ever thought about fullness of God, fullness of his joy? Wow, what does that mean? What is it going to look like? Fullness of zeal. Pastor Christian preached an awesome message about the zeal of the Lord. Imagine the passion, the zeal that burns inside of his heart. Having that in you? Oh man, what does that mean? Fullness of God, it's not a small prayer. It's a big, big prayer. Fullness of his presence, it's a dangerous prayer. You re- we really don't know what we're asking for, honestly speaking. And he prays all these ridiculously, outrageously big prayers for the saints. And Paul goes like this in verse 20. See where he's taking it to. He goes, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Far more abundantly than what we just talked about, which was already ridiculous. Which didn't even make sense. Which was like oxymoron in in itself. And he's saying, Paul is continuously saying that, that rather than like what we prayed just now, but far more abundantly more than that. I really need you to think with me. Okay, I know you can't really think about those things, but I need you to think. What does that mean? And if you look at it in Hebrew, I mean Greek, it's even more ridiculous. Let me tell you this. The word here, I can't even read it. Hepurek peresu. Let's say that. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> but hepurek uh, peresu, this word in Greek, it's a combination of hyper, where the English word hyper comes from. It's a hooper, 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 and peresos, right? It's a combination of these two words. And focus on peresos first, okay? Peresos, it means this. It means over, above, more than is necessary. Um, superlative, superlative, exceedingly, abundantly, supremely, Extraordinarily, that's the definition of this word. Persos, persos, right? That's the meaning of it. It already has the more exceeding me, whatever, whatever. Everything that, that I said is already in this word. And it added what? Hyper to that. Hyper means what? Hyper means um, more. Hyper means uh, beyond, over, more than. So, on top of this crazy word, added hyper to that. And that means whatever. I can't express it in English, right? And it moves on. And the author, Paul, actually added another hyper at the end of it. So it's like this crazy word and hyper in front and hyper at the back. And it's over and over saying beyond, more than, exceedingly, spurringly. And all those expressions that you know, your English teachers, 
put together is what Apostle Paul is talking about. Does this sound redundant? Yes. Why? Because he's trying to emphasize it. He's trying to tell you to get it, that it's beyond what your mind can grasp. But what I'm saying is, I could do that much more than how your mind is limited. Far more abundantly, exceedingly than all that we ask or think. NIV says, or imagine. Caleb and Pastor, Pastor Caleb and Mina, they just had their, no, it's coming, their first wedding anniversary, right? And Caleb was talking about how it was way beyond what he thought it would be. He knew that it was going to be good, mm -hmm. but they were both saying marriage is so much better than what I expected and what I dreamt of. Do you agree? <laughs> right? I don't, I don't hear any faith in that. Do you Is it really, it's really better? <laughs> so come on, give us some, some hope, okay? All the singles in this room. It, it's way beyond. Very good. Very good. It's, it's a hyper. All right. Oh, okay. But, but like, think about all these things that you are dreaming about. Man, all my examples always marriage. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but, um, like, and your dream that you have, personal dreams, what you want to do, like, in careers and things like that. Maybe like family, salvation, and all these different things. But like, he's saying, ask and think and imagine, and God will do so much more than that. More than words could describe. But don't, don't imagine about your marriage too much, okay? There's too much temptation, so yeah. Just ask. Don't think about it. Don't imagine it. <laughs> but in other areas, you can think and you can ask. You could imagine all you want, but God's going to go beyond than that. You know, one of our nine core values, the last one is what? It's dream big. But when we say dream big, we really mean it. Big. Big. Really, really big. All in caps. Really, really dream big. You know, it's talking about it. Apostle Paul is talking about it. You know, imagination, it came from the Lord. Our mind, how our brain, how it works, it's all system put together by God's creating hands. And imagination, it's a powerful tool for prayer. You guys know that? Envisioning it, envisioning something in your mind. It's such a powerful act of prayer. So before you start, like, spitting out all these words, what I want to encourage you to do, when you think about your future, when you have to pray about certain situations, envision it, see it in your mind, and with authority and faith, speak it forth. Don't just spit out all these empty words, but see the picture in your mind first, envision and imagine it, what it's going to look like, the best scenario that you would like to see, and speak it out with authority and with power. And this is what New Philly is also learning. You know what we've been praying for? We've been contending for the numbers to increase, attendance numbers. Decide how many are you contending for? 100, right? And how many people do I see in this room? Less than 100, right? But Hillside, we are contending for 500, and we can't even sit 100 people, 500 people. Okay, like 300 will be maximum, but we are contending for 500. You tell them they're contending for 200. And the way we do it is I envision it in my mind. 
And I imagine our, over, our sanctuary just overflowing with people, leaders having to sit on top of each other, sisters and sisters, brothers and brothers. <laughs> and uh, I imagine and envision our sanctuary overflowing, people waiting in line to get in. And I imagine making phone calls to our mother church to use the main sanctuary because our, our sanctuary is going to, our buildings are collapse. All these people all of a sudden appeared, and we don't know what to do. So give us your biggest sanctuary. I imagine making that phone call. And, I, and then I pray, God, let it be so. Let that happen. I create a situation. I use my imagination for the sake of prayer as a tool, and then I speak it out. There's so much power when you see something. Create with your faith in your mind. Use your mind when you pray. Don't just spit out the same lines over and over again. It's okay to pause in your prayer. You don't have to like automatically spit out all these words. It's okay to pause, think, imagine, and then speak it out. There's so much power in that. And today, my question is simple. Based on what Apostle Paul is telling us, question is simple. What are you asking in your prayer today? What are you imagining? What are you envisioning in your prayers today? And I want to focus on two things that I feel like God is really highlighting. It's, it's, it's about the areas of prayer and also your dream, your vision. Prayer and your vision, and they are so closely needed together that you cannot separate them. You become what you pray. If you really believe that God hears your prayers, what you pray becomes your vision, your future, your destiny. You cannot separate them. But how big are your dreams? How big are your vision? How big are your prayers according to that? Shifting gears a little bit, I'm going to talk about this documentary that was released in 2004 in America called Supersize Me. How many of you know about that movie? Like a film. How many of you actually watched it? Supersize me. Okay, cool. A lot of you. According to Wikipedia, because I never watched it. <laughs> according to Wikipedia, it's an American documentary film um, directed by and starring Morgan Spurlock. That's his name? Morgan Spurlock. And this film follows a 30-day period during which he ate only McDonald's food. Yeah. That's gross. Oh, my gosh. What's yeah about? The film documents this lifestyle's drastic effect on, on his physical and psychological well-being. All sorts of bad stuff happens to him, okay? He dines at McDonald's restaurant three times per day, oh, eating every item on the chain's menu at least once during the period of um, 30 days. And he consumes an average 5,000 kilo, kilocalorie per day. That's like more than double of what you are supposed to take in. During the experiment, he does that. And as a result, he, back then he was 32 years old. He gained 24 and a half pounds, which is 11 kilograms. And he gained 13% body mass. He had the increase. Oh, my. And then he had all kinds of like, sexual dysfunctions and this and that, like depression, mood swings. And he experienced a lot of damage from this um, this journey, right? And it was kind of created to give like a wake-up call to the epidemic of obesity in America. And also, 
And this movie was followed by a couple of lawsuits. So all these like, obese, uh, I think, uh, poor, uh, from like inner city kids uh, sued a McDonald's uh, for, for uh, regarding what this movie was pr- pretty much portraying. And uh, after these lawsuits, McDonald's actually uh, stopped providing supersizes. You know, supersize, right? It's larger than large for your fries and for your drinks. So they used to, you know, when you order something, I don't know, actually, I read it from <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> but they will ask you, like, oh, would you like to supersize this? You know, your fries and for your drinks. And then, yeah, and then you pay a little bit of money and then you will get, like, supersized, like, fries and drinks and people will eat it up, right? So would you like to supersize that? And after this movie, they got rid of the supersize option and they only had large fries and large drinks. And I think that's the case for Korea as well, right? But what this movie really, I think about the title, Supersize Me, right? If you look at the title, it's pretty much saying you become what you eat. You keep eating supersized meals, you're going to become supersized. <laughs> Stop eating large fries. Pastor Caleb. <laughs> More you eat large fries larger you're going to get. You know, it's given back. Come on. You become what you eat. You keep eating your supersized meals, you are going to become supersized. Apply this to your spiritual, li- spiritual life. This is attack. What was that? Do you know you become what you pray? You eat supersized and you become supersized. Just like that, you pray God-sized prayers, and you become God-sized. And God is asking, looking at your prayer life, hey, would you like to supersize that? Would you like to God-size your prayer? He's offering that option to you. Look at how Apostle Paul prayed. Would you like to God-size your prayers? Would you like to God-size your vision? Your teeny-weeny dream that you have, would you like like me to God-size that dream for you? And I really believe that we all need to God-size our prayers because our prayers are just too tiny. And God's saying, hey, that's way too small. That's smaller than large-sized fries and drinks at McDonald's. Come on. Upgrade it. And I do believe that we need to dream God-sized dreams. And many people I know struggle with praying these type of prayers because they fear disappointment. And they have doubts in their hearts. What if I pray all these nice, awesome, like glorious prayers and I'm setting myself up for disappointment? That's what people think. And that's the, the fear That's what keeps people from asking for great things, envisioning great things, and praying all these God-sized prayers because they're afraid. You know, fear and faith cannot exist together. The nature of faith is it rules out everything that contradicts faith. For example, you know, we we know about this verse. We, uh, We sing about it too, old song. One way, Jesus, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. It's straight up from the scripture. You know what it means to walk by faith and not by sight? 
Can you walk by faith when your eyes are open? That's called walk by sight, right? If my eyes are open and I'm walking, that that means I'm walking by sight. If my eyes are halfway closed, am I walking by sight or am I walking by faith? Right? If I, like, like, whatever, you know, if I, like, really pick out and, and without anyone noticing, but, like, when I do this, little by little, I'm picking through, is that walking by sight or walking by faith? It's walking by sight. Walking by faith meaning your eyes must be completely closed. And anything that contradicts the nature of faith cannot coexist with faith. So when you say I walk by faith, it means you are denying everything that you see that says the otherwise about your prayer. It means that I'm completely closing my eyes and denying everything, natural things, the opposing things that the world is telling me. I'm going to close my eyes to it. I'm going to completely close my eyes and walk by faith. It does not coexist. You cannot walk by faith and then walk by sight at the same time. It just doesn't work like that. Fear and faith cannot coexist. If you are going to choose to walk by faith, pray in faith, completely close your eyes. Anything that tells you otherwise, you need to shut that voice. And the more I pray into my future, my vision, my ministry, my, my everything, the more I pray into it, I'm realizing Myeongwa-sized prayers require no faith. Like prayers, like my dreams and everything, when it's me-sized, when, when it's Myeongwa-sized, all my prayers are natural based on my degrees, based on my experiences, based on my career, based on my resume, based on everything that's natural. And for me to pray out those prayers, it, it requires no faith. Lord, give me this job that I'm completely required, uh, re- that I meet all the requirements. There's no faith involved in it, right? You don't even have to pray for that, honestly speaking. Like, if it's just you size dream that you are pursuing, I mean, what's the point of prayer? Where is the room for faith? It requires absolutely zero faith. You can do it without God. Just turn in your resume and you will get it. There's no room for faith. But if you think about God-sized dreams, something that you cannot accomplish without his favor, a dream that you can never reach without his grace on you, without his empowerment, without the intervention of the Holy Spirit, those are God-sized dreams. That the world will look at your dream and say, what are you talking about? You don't have that line on your resume. You don't, you're, not, you're not qualified for that job. But you do it in faith and you get it. That's what I'm talking about. That's God's eyes. That's some dream that requires faith. And are your dreams and your prayers today God's eyes? Is there room for your faith to be activated? Or is everything based on natural things? You know, if you're used to pray you sized prayers, natural prayers, 
something that just doesn't involve any, involve any room for faith, I won't be surprised if you've been disappointed by the answers of the prayers. Because um, faithless prayers has got no power. Faithless prayers have no power. You know, Bible says it's a faith that moves, moves mountains, right? Everyone knows that verse, right? It's the faith that moves mountains. It's the faith that moves things in heavenlies. And Pastor John, he's our worship pastor up in Seoul, he used this amazing analogy about faith, and I figured that I would steal it from him, and I use it here. He, he talked about this. Faith to God is, is like a lightning pole for lightning. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, lightning, it cannot help but to fall on that, that, that metal pole. Like, what's pointy, sticking out, it's made of metal, right? For lightning, it's irresistible. Like, it can't help but to hit that. If there's like a human being here, and a car here, and a metal pole that's pointy, sticking out, what is lightning going to hit? It's given, irresistible. It's going to be the lighting pole. That's why people put the lighting, lightning poles here and there so that other things don't, don't get hit by lightning, right? It's irresistible. Like it, and hundred times, it will fall on the lightning pole hundred times. And Pastor John said like this, to God, when someone prays with faith, that's like lightning pole. And he can't help but to answer the prayer because it's irresistible. He's so pleased with the faith because faith is what pleases him, right? And faith is what moves the mountain. That's what releases the power. That's what moves heavenies. If you think about it from God's perspective, he's looking through and he senses that there is a point in faith that's sticking out. He can't help but to hit that and answer their prayer. It's irresistible. It's like that. Is there any room for faith? In your dream, in your prayers today. Guarantee, when you really create room for faith to enter in, your prayer life can never be the same because you will start to see supernatural testimonies everywhere. Really. If you're bored with your prayer life, it's because you always pray natural prayers and you always see the natural results. There's no fun in it. But you pray, start with starting, you start praying with the supernatural insight, the faith involvement. Oh my gosh, prayer life gets so much more fun. So much more fun because you're going to continue to see supernatural testimonies keep coming out. You can't stop because it's so fun. It can't get boring. That's how you sustain the supernatural prayer life. And verse 20, moving on, it says this. According, this is really a big, big point. It says this. He continues. You read the verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Watch this. According to the power at work within us. Everyone say, within us. The power is at work. It's activated. It's within you. You're not calling down some power from above. You're not trying to pull out something from heaven. That power 
is already at work within you. You know, we have to know who God is and what kind of God we pray to, but we also have to understand that that same God, He's in us. He's at work within us. And I think so many times we know who God is, but He's just up in the heavenlies. We know who God is and His power, His Almighty, but in our mindset, He's just sitting up in the throne. He's really not engaged in my life. But that is not true. Because he says he's at work within you right now, today. Yeah. When we pray, why do we beg from heaven for heaven to release something when, when it's already released inside of you? When it's in you, to throw it out and use it. Why are you waiting and waiting when that you, you already have access to it? It's according to the power at work within us. Everything, all this abundance, it's already activated in us. And um, I remember Pastor, Pastor Benjamin, uh, Pastor Benjamin Robinson from California, he preached a really, really powerful message about uh, spirit of antichrist. Um, that really changed how I view things and how I think even. He talked about, he preached from 1 John chapter 4, um, Chapter 4, right? It, where it talks about spirit, spirit of antichrist and how it's still at work among us right now. And, you know, spirit of antichrist, uh, the way he explained it was that uh, there was this group after Jesus uh, was ascended to heaven. There was this group called uh, Gnostics, right? Gnostics. And then their belief was that matter, matter is inherit, inherently evil and spirit is good. So their understanding that flesh was evil and anything just matter was evil and spirit was something that was good, right? So in their theology, because body is evil, Jesus was not a physical human being. That was their belief because God is good and what is good cannot be coexisting, like cannot be kept in an evil body. You guys understanding me, right? So... He was saying, Pastor Benjamin, man, he's really smart. So I'm not trying to do a better job than him, but I'm trying to summarize what he said. But he said, because they believe that Jesus was not a, Jesus never owned the physical body, what he did, the miracles, the power that was in him, those are not applicable to us. So Jesus was just spirit, and he was kept as good spirit, and he, he lived among us as a spirit. He was ascended as a spirit. So he never owned the physical body. But what that tells us is that his power then, his glory then, his miracles then is not applicable to us because we live in an evil body. So he was saying, if you, the people that deny the fact that Jesus came in the form of flesh, they are the ones that move in the spirit of Antichrist. Denying the flesh of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, so many people still live in the Antichrist spirit. They think that, yeah, Jesus was here, but what Jesus did, it all happens in the heavenlies, and it has nothing to do with me. No, but it has everything to do with you. He lived in the physical body. What he did, the Bible says we are able to do even more than what he did. You know, all the miracles, all the breakthroughs, everything is ours, and it's at work within us today. If you would like to deny that, you are being attacked by the spirit of Antichrist. 
You're denying the fact that Jesus lived on the earth for 33 years for our salvation and also for our inheritance, what we have right now. All that authority, all the miracles. If you were to say supernatural is not for me, then you are moving and speaking out in the spirit of Antichrist. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you pray. Are your prayers affected by spirit of Antichrist? Are you denying the power that's at work within you right now? It's a must. It's not an option, guys. For us to God-size our prayers, for us to start dreaming God-sized dreams, it's not an option. If you don't do it, it means that you are stuck in the Antichrist spirit. It's not an option. We have to start dreaming big. I mean big. We have to start praying big prayers. That's not Myung-ha-sized. That's not Tao-sized. That is God-sized. And I want us to just pray according to what we just read. According to the power at work within us. Based on this, I want us to just pray for yourself. Today, I'm just going to have you pray for yourself. And I'm going to ask you guys to really shift your prayers into something that requires faith. Close your physical eyes. What's hindering you? What if I get disappointed? I have doubts. I don't know if this is going to happen. Based on my resume, based on what I have, based on the money that I got, all these dreams that you are telling me to pray about makes no sense. You might be saying, but close that eyes for a second and shift into praying God-sized prayers. And I'm telling you, those God-sized prayers are going to create your future. It's going to become God-sized future that you have. What you pray today is your future. I'm going to ask Pastor Caleb to come and just give us some background music. But meanwhile, I want us to really think about what your dream is, what your passion is, what your vision is, what you want to see in your life. And I always ask people this question, what's the message that your life carries? You know, when people see you, when people hear about your life, what's like the one thing that you want, like the one message that you want come across to people? Like message of justice, message of, I don't know, what? Message of Father's love, message of freedom. Your life isn't just about your job today, your girlfriend today. It's bigger than that. It's supposed to have an eternal echo in this world. Your life is so much bigger than what you see today. And what you have in your hands today. So much bigger than that. If you are stuck in thinking, affected by the Antichrist spirit, and if all your prayers are just natural, if your dreams and visions are just natural, I want you to break out of that. And be wild in your prayers. Be wild. I give you freedom to do that. Be wild. No one's hearing you. No one's listening to your prayers but God. I want you to really speak it out with faith. Don't tell him this is what I want to see, God. But declare that. That I will be an unusual man and woman of God. Declare that. That I will go set people free. Declare that my business. Declare blessings over all those things. And start creating rooms for 
faith to be activated. And what you're doing isn't just an activity. I want to remind you, it's a shift. And you're not going to shift back to what you used to pray. And you're not, you're, you're going to stop praying natural prayers because there's really no power in that. But I want you guys to all start praying something that involves faith, that needs God. That's not you-sized, but God-sized. I'm just going to ask everyone to just open your eyes. I mean, not eyes, sorry. Open your mouth. <laughs> Why don't you stand together? I want to encourage you guys to stand up. Imagine just you standing in front of the throne of God and declare your dreams, declare your vision, pray out those big, crazy dreams, pray it out. God size prayers. It comes out right now. It comes out right now. Everyone, everyone in this room, pray out. Pray out loud. Open up your mouth and declare those things. <laughs>